Welcome to California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. I'm Satirius Johnson. Today, we'll visit a dude ranch and learn what it's like to live the cowboy life, wrangling cattle, sitting around a campfire, and sleeping under the stars. It's oak woodlands, uh, open grasslands, and it's just as beautiful as anywhere you'll be. Um, on the top of the ranch, if you look to the east, you see the Sierras, and you look to the west, you see the Coast Range, and you're basically looking across California. After that, we'll hop in the passenger seat and join Aida Molenkamp on a road trip along the scenic Pacific Coast. This is a road trip that's going to go along just classic California Highway 1, and so we're going to start in San Francisco and go to Pacifica, Half Moon Bay, the Monterey Peninsula, through Big Sur, all the way down to San Simeon and Cambria. Plus, we'll go hiking and biking in Los Angeles. It's all coming up on California Now. Welcome to California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. We're always on the lookout for fascinating people and places here in the Golden State, and our mission is to share some of our favorite finds with you. Do you remember the 1991 comedy City Slickers? I sure do. Billy Crystal starred as a middle-aged Manhattan yuppie who was stuck in a rut and needed to recharge his battery. So he and two buddies headed out to a dude ranch and lived the cowboy life for a few weeks. They roped, they rustled, they had a few laughs. And spoiler alert, by the time they were returned to New York City, they were in a much better place. Well... The man you're about to meet, John Varian, runs the V6 Ranch in Parkfield, California, a guest ranch where you can live like a cowboy for a few days and get a whole new perspective on life. Welcome to the California Now podcast, John. Thank you for having me. So was I right to reference City Slickers in the intro just now? Is that a good reference point for what you do at the V6 Ranch? Ironically, that was uh, the inspiration to start our um, guest program at the V6 Ranch. Um, my Family started this ranch in the 60s, uh, early 60s, and and it's always been a cattle ranch. Um, but uh, my mom and dad went and watched that, and they said, well, we've got horses, and we've got cattle, and we've got a beautiful <laughs> ranch, and we, we could do that. And, um, uh, you know, uh, about six months later, we had our first cattle drive um, back in the early 90s. That's pretty amazing. So like Billy Crystal was like an inspiration for you. <laughs> they did a great job of portraying what happens when you're a horseback and out in in open country and working cattle and things like that. Well, I mean, your, your tagline for the ranch is the cowboy side of California. What what exactly does that mean? Well, California, um, just because it's sheer number of people and everything, a lot of people have forgotten that this is really where cowboys started. Um, the Spanish uh, were really the first cowboys and all through California here, the the Spanish land grants, the ranchos and everything. That's where the, the cowboy attire, uh, the training of horses um, really started really close to here on the Central Coast, Santa Barbara, really the center of it. And, uh, you know, it's just because of the cities and there's so much going on in this state, everyone seems to forget that uh, there still is a huge amount of open land and cowboys that do it uh, very similar to the way they did it, you know, 100 years ago. So now where exactly are you located? You're in a town called Parkfield, California. Where is that? Yeah, Parkfield is on the central coast, um, just 
exactly midway between um, Los Angeles and San Francisco, uh, near the town of Paso Robles, which is known for its wine. And uh, its claim to fame, how most people have heard of Parkfield, is we are also known as the earthquake capital of the world. Um, it there's more, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, so the the uh, don't be afraid of that though. It's not because we have more earthquakes or more devastating earthquakes. It's because it's where they study earthquakes more there than anywhere else in the world. Um, they know more about ah, the, okay. San, the San Andreas Fault runs right through Parkfield, and it just right. happens that we have a perfect spot also to study earthquakes. All right. So so let's say I, I've signed up for one of your cattle drives. When do I show up? What happens when I first arrive? Kind of walk us through it. So all of our ride, most all of our rides are a little different format than a typical dude ranch. We we are Thursday through Sunday for most of our rides. And that is perfect amount of time considering when you're here, it's a lot of time in the saddle. Um, we are very horse orientated. Um, if you came for the the pool and this and that, that's definitely, we have all those things, but that's a sideline. And so when you get here, um, you get uh, on, let's say on our cattle drives, we actually go to the back half of the ranch to gather. So we um, put all your gear in a trailer, we haul it all up and you go up and you pitch your own bedroll or your own tent and sleep out under the stars um, for the three nights that you're there and we it's that sounds pretty cool yeah and so you get to uh we're on the mountain range that separates the coast from the central valley and so you we camp right on top that mountain and you're out uh with each day you put a lunch together first thing in the morning at breakfast and and you go out with a wrangler and you're out all day long gathering cattle and um combining them all up into one area and then the last day on sunday we drive them to the other parts of the ranch where we're where we need to move to and so this kind of this work that you're doing you know uh guiding and corralling and everything that's something that you would be doing normally and you're just letting people tag along and help out or are you actually creating the experience for people to be able to do it no, we we organize our cattle drives. Our cattle drives are just one of our many different rides we have, but our cattle drives are organized in the spring and then one in the fall when we are doing our cattle work. Um, we have a what's called our stalker operation, which is we um, buy cattle after they've been weaned and we raise them up into bigger cattle and then we sell them. And so there's so a lot a lot going on in the springtime. Yeah, so, so so people are actually being able to like act, this is actually like almost like a police ride along. Like you can actually you're actually experiencing the real thing. This isn't just like an amusement park ride. No, we are we're doing it whether you're there or not. And depending on you know the people uh, and the cattle, uh, sometimes you get more done than other times. But um, we're um, it's it's exactly that. Um, you're you're doing exactly what we would be doing if you weren't if the guests weren't there. So, and this is like basically mostly you said like a four day weekend. Uh, what what does it cost? The cattle drives run a nine fifty, and that's all inclusive with your your meals, your horses, the wranglers, and uh, the wranglers. All the people that are you're riding with and everything do this for a living. Most of which are my family members. There's three generations of Varians on the ranch, and um, hmm. they 
you know, born and raised all all of them here, so they know the ranch, they know cattle and everything else. But when we do have other people helping, we have people that are um, professionals. Uh, they either manage ranches, they train horses, um, whatever they they do this for a living, and so um, it takes a it takes a little different situation than if you were going to ride at a riding stable. You've got to have a horse that you can steer and go around cattle, and you've got to have people that are savvy enough to know, um, okay, this person can handle this route. Okay, now those there, let's take them on the easier gather. So it is for all people that have never ridden before, come and do it, but we just know how to break them up and, and put them where they uh, where they're going to be most useful and that where they'll feel um, comfortable. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because it almost sounds like you need to know how to ride a horse, but you're saying you don't have to. Like, we will accommodate you and get you on a horse that you can handle and get, have you do stuff that you can do even if you've never been on a horse before. Right. And like everything, it's like the first time you went to play baseball, you may not hit every time, but you still get to swing the bat and and try to do it and some are take to it really well others are a little bit slower to it but um even to say we had a lady who started uh, who had seen city slickers and she decided that her name would be curly when she came to the ranch and this lady (laughs) she would never reveal her age but she came and she had to be well into her 70s when she started coming. She had never ridden before. Wow. And she had never done anything like this before. The first time she showed up, she thought it was right out of Hollywood. So she showed up with literally <laughs> a wool blanket, and that was it. I mean, no bedroll, wow. no nothing. And we're like, you're going to die. if we, we got it. So we had to get her more gear and everything. But she went along, and she came for a number of years Um and she went along, and at first, you know, she just was kind of riding along with the, the group. And as it got, you know, as she got a few more years into it, she even she um, uh, was able to, you know, be in the right spot and turn the cattle. That's pretty amazing for somebody in her in your in her seventies to be able to do that. Wow, that that's the great thing about horses, and and uh, it's something you can do your entire life. Um, the Horses for us and my family and everything, they are our job. They're our recreation. We all compete in different rodeo events and uh, show horse events. They are our lifestyle. Um, What other thing would you... You wouldn't dress up like a carpenter to go out to a bar, but you dress up like a cowboy to go to a bar. Uh, You know, it's it's the only occupation that is everything. Uh, sport, work, style, everything. So, so who are your regular customers, John? Are they couples? Are they work groups coming through? We have a little of everything. Um, lots of couples, of course, um, people from 8 to 80. But our primary customer are middle-aged women. Um, they are really mm-hmm. the ones that have uh, probably about two-thirds of the people that come are women. That's that's actually pretty striking. Why do you think it is that most of your guests are, are women? If you grow up around uh, horses and with family and girls and everything, you'll you'd understand um, horses and, and girls just 
go together like a glove. And a lot of times I think uh, women have been so busy doing other things and now they're, you know, when they get to middle age, they've got a little bit more free time and they want to get back to that connection with the horse. A lot of them had horses or were around horses when they were younger, but some of them just loved horses, um, not even that they'd ever ridden before. Right. And then you can get the experience without having to actually own the horse and board the horse and feed the horse. You can actually just come and enjoy, you know, riding and doing all the other stuff that, you know, that's the fun part. Yeah. As people that own horses know, it's quite a commitment. Um, But we have ranch horses that are for all levels. And so whoever shows up, we do have a horse that will match with them. And our our cattle drives are a small group, um, usually right around 20 people. And so we've got a good string of horses, about 100 horses on the ranch that we can match up with the guest. Oh, that's really great. So if you're an experienced rider, you can get a horse that matches you. And if you've never ridden before, you have a horse for that person, too. Yeah, there's an inverse relationship between the horse and the and the rider. One of the two, you have to know what's going on. So if you don't, your horse does. As you ride better, you can ride horses that don't know much, but you know, but you know how to guide them. So uh, that's that's the key to matching them up. So John, what do you think it is that appeals to people who come to your ranch? Like, what is it that they walk away from after the experience that they remember the most, um, you know, give us a sense of what, what you see and what you feel while you're doing a cattle drive or any of the other, any of the other experiences on the ranch. The first day, like anywhere you go, you don't know people and everything and everyone you'll notice the first night and everyone's kind of at different tables and, and not really mingling that much. And, but you spend all day long a horseback with these people for four days, the last day, everyone's hugging, exchanging, you know, let's stay in touch. And it really does happen because we do have people that have come for over 20 years. Uh, we've had people getting married on a cattle drive uh, that had been coming hmm. year after year. My dad always just called it Parkfield magic. It's something about when you get there, the horses, the scenery, like when you're moving cattle and, you know, and you actually get them where you're supposed to, or you find some in the brush that, you know, you know, that were hidden well, and you get them out, you know, you see everyone, you know, doing the high five and, and, uh, just can't believe they, they got it done. Yeah. I mean, I I would imagine it's a real strong bonding experience because, you know, you're working toward a common goal, you're working as a team, and, you know, you're just, you, you rely on each other and you get to know each other really well in a really short period of time. And then having that sense of accomplishment that you actually got a job done, like you, you did, you made your goal. Exactly. And even if you've lost the cattle, it's almost as exciting that, you know, I'm going back tomorrow and we're going to get those cattle that we lost the first day. Hmm. You know, just the determination of people to to go and, and just keep at it. And we have, um, you know, one night we have a, a person come in and sing a little music around the campfire and, you know, people will get up and, you know, tell jokes and sing songs and, and just really loosen up. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's total magic around just like being with a group of people around a fire, you know, over a star filled sky. Just, just that alone just sounds amazing. Cause you, I mean, who gets to do that? Um, people that come to the V6. And you're doing it in a, in a, like an amazingly beautiful place too, on top of everything else. Yeah, we're so blessed um, where our ranch is here in Parkfield uh, on the central coast here. It's it's oak woodlands, uh, uh, open grasslands, and it's just as beautiful as anywhere you'll be. Um, on the top of the ranch, if you're, you look to the east, you see uh, the Sierras, and you look to the west, you see the coast range, and you're basically looking across California. It's so near everything, and yet we're in the town of Parkville, which is population 18, and at nighttime, you mm-hmm. won't sing, see a single light other than the moonlight or the stars. That's great. It sounds so cool. Thank you so much for letting us know about V6, John. It's, you know, it's really great to know that these Dude Ranch experiences are available, and you can find this one halfway between San Francisco and L.A. Right in the middle of the state. <laughs> That's so great. Thanks so much. Thank you. John Varian is a rancher and a cowboy and a principal at the V6 Ranch in Parkfield, California, just a 45-minute drive north of Paso Robles. If you'd like to see John in action, head on over to Visit California's Dream 365 TV channel and watch the Cattle Drive episode of Johnny Mosley's Wildest Dreams. John plays a starring role. And for links to all the places we discussed today, visit our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now. If you're a California Now podcast subscriber or a fan of the Food Network, you'll know our next guest. Aida Molenkamp is the host of Ask Aida, and she's also the founder and editor-in-chief of Salt and Winds Travel. Welcome back to the California Now podcast, Aida. Great to be back, Satarius. So, you know, the last time we spoke with you, we went on a virtual road trip together. We started in Los Angeles, drove up through Ventura and Santa Barbara, and then finished up in Paso Robles. Today... We're going on another road trip, only this time we're going to leave from San Francisco and head south all the way to the beach towns south of Hearst Castle, right? That's right. So do you mind sharing your favorite hidden gems and great bites along the way? Of course. This is a road trip that's going to go along just classic California Highway 1. And so we're going to start in San Francisco and go to Pacifica, Half Moon Bay, the Monterey Peninsula, through Big Sur, all the way down to San Simeon and Cambria. So it's a few hundred miles. And I really think doing this over three days and two nights is the perfect amount of time. That's great. All right. So let's, let's, let's hop to it. How do we get started on our road trip? Do we go straight to the coast? Yeah, you're going to want to go straight to the coast, either from SFO directly or San Francisco City, and head to Half Moon Bay. This area has two places that are just absolutely really famous. One is Sam's Chowder House right there in Half Moon Bay. So if you're a chowder person, it's the New England style, but in California— My personal favorite is to head down the coast just a few miles to Pescadero to Duarte's Tavern. This is a hole-in-the-wall place, and it's known for artichoke soup. And that's something you don't see very often, but this part of California, once you get to Pescadero, you're heading into the part of the world where the most artichokes are grown. We are like artichoke capital right there through Castroville. (laughs) So artichoke soup, you're going to see artichoke everything, but the artichoke soup at Duarte's is a must. That sounds amazing. You know, and it's pretty incredible how you can go from like the big city buzz of San Francisco to kind of this like super chill beach vibe along the coast so quickly. 
That's probably one of my favorite things about this part of the state is that you can take off from San Francisco or Oakland, and if you just drew a circle of, you know, maybe an hour and a half drive, you could be touching anything from um, skiing to gold country to wine tasting, or in in this case, small beach towns that have really great history and great food. Okay, where do we head next? Is it Santa Cruz? Just before you get to Santa Cruz, you want to stop in Davenport because Bonnie Dune Vineyard, which is kind of like hippie chic, is one of my favorites. And their tasting room is there. They have a Van Gris de Cigar. Translation is a really good rosé. And you're going to want to stop there and try it out because there's great locals and it just has really good vibes. And then when you head to Santa Cruz, the thing about Santa Cruz is this is like surf capital of USA. (laughs) Steamer Lane is on the point right next to the Santa Cruz Surfing Museum. So you can get a little bit of that history and then see people longboarding down Steamer Lane, which is just one of the most famous breaks in this part of the state. Uh, From there, you're going to want to head to Capitola because it has these candy-colored houses that are just a really good sight to see and great for photography. And then you're going to kind of just keep crawling down the coast. My next stop would be to recommend going to Marina. This is a teeny little place, and they have this relatively newer restaurant called Saltwood Kitchen Oysterette, and they have a phenomenal raw bar. So you're going to want to go in there to get local seafood and all kinds of delicious, delicious brunch, I would say, is the key there. So if you're there during brunch time, go to Saltwood Kitchen Oysterette. And that's just north of Monterey. Right. And you're basically, you're on the beach, right? So you can also kind of like take some time to take a walk on the beach or maybe some photos. Exactly. It's right next to Marina State Beach. If anybody's seen Big Little Lies, um, they, I believe, film some of the surf scenes right there. And so you can see it's these beautiful sand dunes with seagrass and just really fun little slopey waves. So you can just walk up and down, take photos and just really enjoy the nature right there. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, So let's continue on. Where are we heading next? Then you have the Monterey Peninsula, which, you know, this is Steinbeck's Cannery Row. This has so much history. But what I really love about it is once you're in Monterey County, this is the heart of California agriculture outside of Central Valley. So we're talking lettuces and artichokes and garlic and all these things come from the greater area. And you're really going to see that at the Monterey Farmer's Market. The um, community college has a Friday Farmer's Market, which is on par with some of the biggest farmer's markets. I'm talking San Francisco or Hollywood farmer's market. It's huge, absolutely huge. Uh, If you want more of a view and you want to see more of that sea life, then you can head to Palooka Trattoria. This is a locally owned fish-focused restaurant. When I met the owner on this last trip, he told me that his dad had been a fisherman in Sicily. And then his dad rolled up with his friend who's been a fisherman in this area for generation, at least 30 years, and they brought fresh fish that we filleted together and cooked right there, including this really sustainable rock fish that is growing in this area. And it's this total sustainable fish success story of, you know, having an area that had been overfished and then working with the phenomenal world-class Monterey Aquarium All of these fishermen have now brought back these fish that are really delicious. So if you go to Palooka or Saltwood and also go to the Monterey Aquarium, you can really understand what phenomenal work is being done in this area for sustainable food that, you know, is also delicious. 
Yeah, the aquarium is definitely a, a must-see. It's just really quite amazing. Definitely. And then from there, just right next door, it feels like Monterey still is the town of Pacific Grove. So they're kind of like one and the same, but they are distinct in their cultures. And Pacific Grove has this place called Lover's Point Park, which is just really gorgeous. You can ocean kayak right there. You can stand up paddle, or you can just walk along the beach and just really enjoy all kinds of great views. Or if you want a good sunset, there's Asilomar State Park right there. So uh, so that is more west-facing, so you can get a great sunset view. Uh, but in terms of food in Pacific Grove, there's two absolute musts. One is Happy Girl Kitchen Company. Ever since I first lived up in Northern California as a food editor, I would get Happy Girl Kitchen's preserves at the San Francisco Farmer's Market, and they're from Pacific Grove. So if you want delicious preserves to take home or baked goods to just eat in the moment, you're going to want to go to Happy Girl Kitchen. And then for dinner, there's really two places, which you're going to notice a theme here, that are (laughs) Um, (laughs) fish-based that you're going to want to check out. So there's either Passion Fish, which is just hands-down great wine list. Everybody's going to tell you to go there, and it's fabulous. But I think one that's a little... Uh, more under the radar, a little bit of a hidden gem, is Wild Fish. So the Wild Fish restaurant actually started up in Mendocino, and then they opened a restaurant in Pacific Grove recently. And they are super committed not only to local and sustainable, but to handmade. And they were serving me food that I just was like, where am I right now? I feel like I'm having this Michelin star meal that's totally affordable, (laughs) and there's only a few people in this restaurant, and they're all being treated like cheers factor. Everybody knows your name. So it's, wow. I cannot say hi and better, good enough things about it because you have that local charm, but just world-class cuisine. I mean, it really sounds like you should set aside like two or three days just for like the Monterey Pacific Grove area. There's so <laughs> much to experience, like just food-wise. Yes. Even. Yeah, yeah, there is. You could even go down toward Carmel. And of course, Carmel by the Sea is adorable. If you go to Carmel Valley, though, what I recommend is going to do a, the Carmel Valley Bee Experience because there are a thousand native bees in California. I just learned this. I'm really excited to share this with everybody. Wait, I mean, I a thousand. Know. Wait, a, are you talking about a thousand different kinds or species of bees? That's unbelievable. There are a thousand different kinds of bees in California. Who knew wow. this except yeah. apiaries, you know, except beekeepers. And <laughs> right. so. And so if you go on this bee experience, they'll really educate you on this. And I didn't know this, but this whole area of Carmel and Monterey is some of the highest production of honey in the state because it has so much biodiversity and so much agriculture. So you really want to get into the bees um, when you're into Carmel. And then, of course, we can't talk about this area without talking about Big Sur, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. It's such a beautiful place. And I know I know it's, you know, Big Sur is incredibly beautiful, but also incredibly fragile, environmentally speaking. So, you know, when people go to visit Big Sur, you kind of have to tread lightly in this region. But so what what are your favorite stops in Big Sur? So I totally agree with what you're saying. And one of the things I always say to people in Big Sur is stay on the trail, please, please, please. The trail is there for a reason. Don't go off and crush wildflowers or anything like that. You're just not helping the environment. And one place that has amazing wildflowers, if you head down from Carmel, you're first going to hit Point Lobos, which has a beautiful uh, lighthouse. Then Garapta is the next state park, which has all kinds of fun trails and little coves. Um, And these are just great because you're going to get this view in either direction Mm. from both of those stops. Mm. So you can just have endless photography. Right, right, right. And when you get to the town of Big Sur, there's so many good things to do there. You could spend the night for sure. Um, 
Uh, Nepenthe is probably the most famous place to go that's, you know, great for views. You can eat right on the on the cliff, basically. But another place that I think is worth stopping is called the Big Sur Grange. Have you ever heard of it? No, I haven't. <laughs> the Big Sur <laughs> Grange is a music venue, and they usually have, you know, food and music, and it's right down by the river. So if you do the contrast of Nepenthe or Post Ranchin or one of these ones that has a cliff view, and then you also see Big Sur Grange, you can see that's an, actually in a redwood grove. So you have this compare-contrast of the redwoods and the coast and the cliffs by going to those two places. So I would recommend you do that in Big Sur. And then when right. you drive down and down and down, you're going to next hit Ragged Point, which also usually has good music, good barbecue. But what I like to show people is what's called the portal, which sounds very ominous, but it's this um, art <laughs> installation. And if you look through it, it looks just like a ring, a wooden ring, and you look through it and it frames the coast toward the north just perfectly. And so it just is this interactive art piece. Um, and great. my And my personal advice at this point on the drive is to make sure you have adequate amount of gas. I speak from personal experience from (laughs) not having had enough gas and rolling into Ragged Point on fumes. And they do have a gas station there. And so I pulled in and the the gas station attendant looked at me and said, you almost ran out of gas, didn't you? (laughs) Oh, wow. That's really funny. He said, that happens at least (laughs) once a day around here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's very funny. That's funny. And then I, I, I've also been up the, that area of the coast a little bit. And um, there's so much like wildlife, even just kind of like uh, seals that you can see, you know, when you're looking down at the at the coastline. It's just really quite amazing. Yeah. So as you're coming down from Ragged Point, you're going to hit the area right around Hearst Castle, which is called San Simeon. And there's the Friends of the Elephant Seals Foundation. I mean, that's an amazing foundation. And elephant seals are the biggest seals you've ever seen. They make this barking noise, and they're just one-of-a-kind creatures, and they're all in this area right around San Simeon. So you definitely want to check them out. Um, And then I would suggest you go all the way down to the town of Cambria. This is now still on Highway 1. And Cambria has some of the cutest little mid-century ranch-style hotels and resorts. And so one I really loved staying in recently is called Ocean Point Ranch Inn. They have horseshoes and they have open fireplaces, fire pits. They have beach walks, all kinds of fun activities to really give you a sense of what life is like in Central Coast. And the just a really big contrast from, you know, Carmel and that, that environment and just kind of quieter, more remote part of Central Coast. So, you know, as we as our little excursion here winds down, where do you think we should we should end it? I mean, there are all these like incredibly cute little beach towns in this part of the world. What are some of your favorites? I mean, it's really hard to choose favorites here. So one of the reasons I love Cambria is because you're really close to San Simeon. So if you're going to see Hearst Castle, which everyone should do at least once in their life, you can stay right there in Cambria. There's great food, great restaurants, and then you can just hop over to San Simeon and Hearst Castle within about 10-minute drive. So that would be my advice of where to end. And then you can actually go and choose to go on the 101 or the one to return back, and it can go faster if you take the 101 or the one to just kind of repeat and see any places that you didn't quite get a chance to see on the way down. Well, that sounds like a perfect ending to our little getaway. Thanks so much, Aida. We really would love to have you back again sometime. 
Yeah, love to be back. Um, I will be road tripping away, and I will come and report back whenever you need me to. That sounds amazing. Aida Mullenkamp is a veteran food and travel expert and somebody you really need to follow on social media. Be sure to check out her website, saltandwind.com. And for links to all of the places we discussed on our road trip down the coast, go to visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. Los Angeles is well known for its car culture and with good reason, the city proper covers nearly 500 square miles and traveling around town by motor vehicle is by far the most popular way to get from point A to point B. As our next guest points out, though, there are other ways to explore the City of Angels. Elizabeth Conway is a tour guide with Bikes and Hikes LA, and she's going to share the inside scoop on enjoying Los Angeles by foot and by pedal. Welcome to the California Now podcast, Elizabeth. Hello, Soterios. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Oh, I'm so glad you are here. And, you know, I just saw the new Quentin Tarantino film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And one of the things that struck me is the number of driving scenes. It seems like people in the film are always hopping into their cars and going somewhere across town. And it kind of rang true to me. I mean, L.A. is, is just a very spread out place and people really rely on their cars, don't they? Absolutely. I mean, you're going to spend a lot of time in your car uh, living in L.A. On average, people in L.A. County drive 40 million miles per day. Um, So a lot of people would believe that really the only way you can get around town is by car. And hopefully during our chat this afternoon, I will be able to prove otherwise. Yeah. Well, you know, your company's motto is experience L.A. Don't just drive past it. What exactly do you mean by that? So... As you were just saying, you know, the the stereotypical image in film and just, you know, kind of when you get here is that everyone is in their cars all the time. And our founder and owner and sort of uh, commander in chief, Danny Roman, um, about 10 years ago, he'd come out to L.A. and realized that instead of being cooped up in your car and literally just sitting and watching L.A. pass you by, wouldn't it be better to explore the city outside, in the fresh air, getting a good workout, and in a more personal way that's not just you sitting in your car and, you know, isolated from it all. I think it's a great idea because when you're driving, you have to keep your eyes on the road. And when, mm-hmm. when you're walking and biking, though, you know, you can really see what's around you. And, you know, you can often be surprised by what you find. Oh, absolutely. You are right there. You are seeing the city. You are smelling the city. You are, you know, passing through those streets in Beverly Hills, you are riding alongside the ocean. You've got the salt and the sea breeze in your hair. You're up in the mountains in Griffith Park. You're getting dusty and dirty, breaking a sweat. <laughs> like it, you're, you become part of it. Even in a place that I know very well, you know, that I drive through, if I'm biking it or, or hiking it, you just get a whole different aspect. You just you can actually you feel more connected to it, too. Going three miles on the on a bike is a lot different than than going three miles in a car. Like you're you're going to you're going to stop at the stop signs. You're gonna see the passersby on the sidewalk. You're gonna be up close with, you know, the fence of maybe some A-list celebrity's house. Who knows who you're gonna see? Um, <laughs> when you're driving, you you miss all of that. And then there's there's the whole eco-friendly aspect of it too. So we're really really passionate about that. A lot of our a lot of our staff. Um, is going in the way of eliminating their cars, um, biking around, running, walking. Um, I know probably about half of our half of our staff is car free. Um, and again, we really we really look to promote um, all kinds of sustainability, whether it's 
in our, you know, operations in the shop, uh, cutting down on waste, you know, talking to all of our guests about sustainability um, and just really, really promoting that on all of our experiences. Um, You know, the more Mm -hmm. time we spend outside, the better. (laughs) And better for our, you know, emotions and mental health right. as well. <laughs> That's really impressive. And um, I know that Bikes and Hikes LA offers custom tours for groups or individuals, but I'd like to focus on some of the off-the-rack tours you have. Um, oh, let's yeah. start on foot. How, how many daily walking tours do you have? We have two daily hiking tours that go out every single day. Um, I am particularly passionate about our hiking tours because I am, in addition to our blogger, SEO content uh, gal behind the scenes, um, I am a hiking guide and I have been leading our hiking experiences for a year and a half now. Um, We launched two daily hiking tours, uh, guided hiking tours, um, one in Runyon Canyon, um, and that's an early bird one, Soterio. So you got to, you know, <laughs> drink a little coffee and meet us at 730. Um, it, bright and early. Um, that is our Hollywood Hills hiking tour. And that one was kind of uh, inspired by how many international visitors and guests we get. So, you know, jet lag, that's no fun. Um, and how many times, you know, when you land, are you just groggy or, you know, you wind up losing 12 hours or a day or so just because you're kind of tired. The best way to beat jet lag is sunshine and fresh air. And what better way to do that than, you know, getting a head start on the day and coming and hiking with us in one of the most popular places to hike right in the center of Hollywood amidst a lot of beautiful celebrities, even prettier homes and even more spectacular views. It's a great idea because, you know, you're not, again, wasting a day like your travel day, you're actually you're landing, you're dropping your bags and you're going on something that's just going to get you synced in with, you know, the California time zone. Absolutely. And it's it's a really iconic Hollywood experience. Like obviously working out is a major, major part of our culture here and hiking in Runyon Canyon. I mean, it doesn't get more Hollywood than that. How, how long does the Hollywood Hills hike uh, take? So it's one and a half hours. So you're going to be all worked out and ready to rock by, you know, a little after nine in the morning. Uh, We meet at 730, an hour and a half. Um, It's a three mile, uh, pretty rugged hike. Um, One of the peaks in Runyon Canyon is over 1300 feet high. So you're really going to be feeling this one. This is kind of a a moderate hike. So you're definitely going to break a sweat. You're going to get a good workout. You're going to feel it uh, the next day. Um, And, you know, (laughs) there's so many places afterwards to grab a nice, big, healthy breakfast. That's really that's great. And then the other uh, hiking tour you have is the Hollywood Sign Hike. Uh, How often do you do that? And uh, tell us about tell us about the details. This one is launching um, at 10 in the morning. We meet in the iconic Griffith Park, um, and we're going up to the top of Mount Hollywood in Griffith Park, uh, one of the tallest peaks in the park, where you're going to get some spectacular views, as I said, of all of L.A. County. Um, But the other cool thing is that we also launch this hike at sunset. Um, So if you've, you know, seen La La Land or, or right. heard about like the magic hour or golden hour, you are <laughs> going to get some of the prettiest, most like breathtaking views um, you will ever see. You're going to be seeing the Greek theater. You're going to be seeing the Hollywood sign. You're going to get an insider tour of the Griffith Observatory afterwards. That's amazing. And what I love the most about this hike is that it takes that big urban sprawl and it condenses it. So you've got a bird's eye view of neighborhood to neighborhood and it kind of 
you know, it makes your world feel a little smaller when you can be like, there's downtown and there's Koreatown and there's Hollywood and somewhere right. out there is the Pacific Ocean and Catalina and all that. Uh, and to be able to sort of situate yourself and feel kind of anchored like, oh, I know what I'm doing. All right. Let's let's shift gears for a minute and talk about your bike tours. I saw on your website that you have something called the L.A. in a day bike tour. That sounds r- pretty ambitious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Our L.A. in a day tour is a six hour long bike tour. So, again, it's 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 a commitment. It's a commitment. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> it is a commitment. <laughs> um, but. You're going to start at 10 in the morning. You're going to be back at our main headquarters uh, around 5 p.m. And then you're going to eat a huge, huge, huge dinner and reward yourself. So um, (laughs) it's not going to eat up your fun evening plans. Um, And it's also not at the crack of dawn. So you have time to eat a big breakfast and then hop on a bike because you are going to be biking for 32 miles. And you, you guys provide the bikes, right? You don't have to come with a bike. Oh, my goodness. Yes. We have a wonderful (laughs) fleet of bikes. Um pedal bikes and pedal assist electric bikes. Um, Oh, that's good. mm -hmm. So none of our guests need to provide their own bike. We provide the bike. We provide the helmet. Um, We we get you all hooked up um, in a fashionable safety vest, obviously. Um, (laughs) And um, it's all where we are a one-stop shop. That sounds great. So what are some of the highlights of the uh, LA in a Day bike tour? Um, I would say my personal favorite parts of the LA in a Day tour are seeing some of the magnificent estates up in Holmby Hills in Bel Air, um, because those some of those houses just knock your socks off. Um, I am a sucker for the beach, so Venice and Santa <laughs> Monica are just incredible, um, and and just being outside the way you're you're muscles feel that sort of wonderfully rewarding exhaustion afterwards and just the sense of accomplishment Mm. that's and the pictures of course um right right those are those are definite highlights for me so when you say um you know you get to see some of these magnificent estates are do you actually get to go inside of them are you just kind of biking by them one of our big 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 jewels on our la in a day tour is a in addition to all of the biking that you're going to be doing, you're going to be walking through one of the most famous mansions in Beverly Hills, um, Greystone Mansion, um, which has been the filming location of so many movies and TV shows. You'll recognize it instantly. I'm guessing you must take during the six hours more than a few breaks in cycling, Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. This is a guided tour, so you're going to be getting history and and trivia and you know your guide's going to be pointing out historic and significant locations and then we also do break for lunch um halfway throughout the day on beautiful venice beach uh it truly doesn't get better than that so now you also offer a celebrity bike tour i mean that sounds like a lot of fun where does that tour take place and and will we actually be riding past movie stars homes on it Oh, yeah. So our celebrity bike tour is a great way to see up close your favorite A-listers homes, scenes from so many famous movies, and the real kind of red carpet experience of the most luxurious neighborhood in the U.S., Beverly Hills, um, and a bunch of places (laughs) in West Hollywood as well. Um, This tour is great if you don't necessarily have all day for our LA in a day tour, um, but you do want to see, you know, hopefully bump it 
into a celeb or a paparazzi or two, um, or to see the Beverly Hills sign. Um, you, <laughs> this tour is two and a half hours. It's 10 miles, so it's still an excellent workout. And you're going right. to be seeing over 30 celebrity homes throughout Beverly Hills and West Hollywood. Um, you're going to be riding past many uh, Instagrammable walls. You're going to be getting all of those luxurious boutiques on Rodeo Drive, uh, going through Beverly Hills, get the Beverly Hills sign. And as I said, you know, just keep your eyes peeled for paparazzi because you never know who's walking out of which posh restaurant um, on this tour. It sounds like the quintessential L.A. experience, really. <laughs> oh, absolutely. If we could all be so lucky to live in 90210, uh, hopefully this gives you a two and a half hour long taste of that. <laughs> well, you know, we, <laughs> well, you know, we have to wrap up in a minute, Elizabeth. But before we do, I want to say that your passion for L.A. and these tours really shines through. Uh, would you say that's a common trait for other Bikes and Hikes L.A. tour guides? Absolutely, Soterios. Um we all, I will say a lot of us um, are actors or comedians. So performing and speaking to a group is nothing new for us. Um, <laughs> but we all really love our city. I mean, listen, you can't do L.A. in a day, in a week, in a month. Like, it's dynamic. It changes all the time. There is so much to see. You know, I've been here for several years and there's, there's still so many things that I'm discovering on a daily basis. Uh, yeah, I totally feel your passion for it, and it makes such a huge difference. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me, Satirios. This was great. Well, Elizabeth Conway is a tour guide with Bikes and Hikes LA, a critically acclaimed tour company that has five stars on TripAdvisor. Visit their site to find out more about their daily tours and about their custom offerings for larger groups as well. For links to all of the places we discussed today, please visit our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. Thank you for listening to California Now. This podcast is produced by Visit California. I'm your host, Satirius Johnson. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Please subscribe, and you can learn more about the Golden State and plan your next visit at visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. We'll provide links to all of the people and places you learn about here on the show. That's visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. Today's episode had a transportation theme. We talked about moving from point A to point B via car, bicycle, on foot, and even on horseback. The fact of the matter is, California is a massive place. And if you've never been here before, you might want to check out the travel tips section of our website. It includes helpful information about public transportation, advice on driving in wintry conditions, insights on train travel, and helpful hints on renting a car or RV. Just go to our website, visitcalifornia.com, and select Travel Tips from the drop-down menu. We hope to see you soon. 